Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like Pete Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Uh, and we've got uh, Mike Mayock saying bubble butt uh, three different times. This is the press box. Like when they're deciding to draft a player, is that what they talk about? Well, like Gruden's like, oh, he's yes. a football player. And Mayock's like, no, no, this guy's got a bubble yeah. butt. Or the best thing in the world for them would be have both. With Grady and Bischoff. Like you're not only a football player, but you have a bubble butt and you don't play your groin. I mean, if you can get that trifecta, then you've got something. On ESPN Las Vegas. The bubble butt, who knows what position he played, and um, and don't pull your groin. If they could have that, they could, I mean, they could win the division if you have a bunch of those guys. Bunch of bubble butt football players. Yes, from Clemson. Let's get to it. It's a Friday. There's no reason to talk anymore. The first bite. Should the Golden Knights sign Marc-Andre Fleury to an extension? It's a good one. That's a good option here, I think. Well, depends on how much it costs. He wants to stay, apparently. Yeah. <clears throat> this is going to be interesting. He is he is 37. So 37. He, the quote, he, the quote from Alan Walsh to The Athletic. Flower is well, eligible. You, you, hold on. You had me there. Hold <laughs> on. There's no other reason to continue the quote, but go ahead. <laughs> Flower is eligible to sign an extension this offseason. He would certainly be open to signing an extension and would like to sign an extension at a very reasonable number to make it work in Vegas for everyone. So the agent is saying that Marc-Andre Fleury would like to sign a reasonable contract that works for everyone. The agent's job is to get as much money as possible for the player. He doesn't really care that it works or not for the team. No, especially when it might be his last extension. Right. He cares that it works or not for his player. So it's interesting that the agent would be saying, hey, he wants to sign a reasonable contract. So my question is, like, what do you think reasonable is? Well, doesn't a lot of go doesn't a lot go into this in terms of what they want to do for next year because he's already on the hook for seven million? Yes. So if you're trying to like you pointed out yesterday the Jack Eichel trader, all these things, if if that would happen, I don't know if it means anything that he'd sign for three the following year, right? I mean right. It, it's like if he, you're still on the hook for seven next year, if, if he was a UFA right now, then it's okay. You want $3 million to stay, we'll take you or whatever. But if you're still on the hook for seven for him, I think next year is like the most important year because two years from now, was he pushing 39? Yep. I, he was, look, we have a lot of opinions about this agent, but he's obviously <laughs> been around the sport. He has a lot of players. I get that. He knows as much as probably Flurry knows is he's never going to be as good as he was this year. So I get the fact that he's like, look, let's lock you up. It's not You're not going to be as good. I don't know if he actually says those words, but let's try to lock you up for less money. But I still say, if you think you're close to winning it, and I would assume being in the semifinals two straight years, they think they're close to winning it. I don't know if Marc-Andre Fleury wanting to stay here beyond next year matters to me. I just know I owe him $7 million for next year. And that's the problem with the whole yeah. conversation is next year. it doesn't. Yeah. This isn't the NFL where you can restructure contracts or you can add an extension. Right. He can't say I'll take two next year. Right. It doesn't. It, he is $7 million is counting against the Golden Knights cap next year for Marc-Andre Fleury unless he's traded or, or well, even right. if they cut him or whatever, it's still counting against them. So unless he's traded, $7 million is counting against the cap in the form of Marc-Andre Fleury, no matter what they do. So that's the issue. 
Uh, if you look into the future, yeah, a $3 million yeah. sounds, I mean, it's, it's a little expensive if the guy's, you know, your backup goalie to Robin Leonard or whatever, but it, you know, the guy's a fan favorite. And right. if the guy's going to retire in Vegas, yeah, whatever, that's not, that's not a massive deal. If you sign Mark Andre Fleury to $3 million, but the problem is this next season, that's the issue for Mark Andre Fleury and the Golden Knights, because we heard Pete DeBoer reference it. We talked about it this entire season. We'll talk about it again. The longer they have two goalies on the roster, we will continue to talk about it. Having two goaltenders that make five and $7 million is not the best way to build no. a roster to win the Stanley cup. You are better off spending at least one of those big salaries on a guy that's going to be in the lineup every single night in the playoffs. Is it possible to trade him to Pittsburgh and then after next year, get him back for a million dollars <laughs> because he'll never sell his house in Vegas. And this is where he probably wants to live. So maybe he come back after a year. I think you don't, you don't trade him to Pittsburgh because that's the one place where he might, he might be want like, to stay again. He might be like, oh, I'll retire here. I like you trade place. him to like Arizona Ed, yeah. or something oh. like somewhere where he just would not want to stay because there's seven fans in the building right. or it's a terrible city to live in. Like the, the, he has this no trade clause of 10 teams, whoever his 11th team was going to be, trade that's, him to him. that's where you trade him to. Trade and him. then after next year, yeah, we'll sign you back. Mark Andre Fleury. It's all good. Do you think his statue in Pittsburgh is just going to be him sitting on a bench with a hat on? <laughs> I, as much as as much uh, issues as we have with Alan Walsh and as hard a time we give him, boy, if this guy gets another early extension, I gotta say this might be a better agent yes. than we thought. If he keeps getting these guys extensions if, at this age, especially if, considering he doesn't get in trouble for what he tweets. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, look, you could. It all depends on next year. You could say, yeah, two years from now. He's still going to be probably in the shape, better shape than a 28-year-old. He's in incredible condition. I don't think that part's going to change. Again, his skill level, I'm sorry, you get 38, 39 as a goalie. I don't care how good a shape you're in. It's going to decrease. It just is. So I I don't think, look, that's it's obvious that Alan Walsh would say something like this. is his agent. It's his job to do what his client wants. His client wants to stay here. So you go on record saying, hey, he'd be willing to take less money. I don't know if you should be influenced at all about that if you're the Golden Knights. It's like, no. yeah, good for you guys. That's nice, but... We need centers. I mean, or we need we need other things that might push us past inferior teams in the semifinals. So let me ask you this hypothetical. You sign Marc-Andre Fleury to an extension, and you have him under contract next year for seven, and then two or three more years for $3 million. Do you trade Robin Leonard instead? Because part of the reason that you're keeping Rob, or that you would keep Robin Leonard over Marc-Andre Fleury there, there's, he's 28. He's younger he and he's cheaper, but right. also because they committed a five-year contract to him at $5 million each, and there's four years left on that, whereas Flurry only has one. If Flurry gets an extra two years added on to his contract with an extension, then that long-term sort of, hey, who's our goalie for the next three or four years, it can be Marc-Andre Flurry, and you can trade away Robin Leonard at that point. I just I don't do it. He, he'd be pushing forty. Yeah, I, I mean, do it. I I, I, I agree. Do it. With I would that keep too. Leonard. I would keep Leonard because the, when you're trying to evaluate what is Mark Andre Fleury going to be in the future, he is going to he's going to turn 37 next year during the year. I think it's November or something. His birthday. He's going to turn 37 during next season, right? And he's coming off his career best year. Best year. It is unbelievably rare for a goalie to have their career year at 36. Hell, Flurry might be the first goalie ever to have his best career season at age 36. 
And so to expect Flurry to have that season again at 37, 38, and 39 is pretty unbelievable. Honestly, to expect Flurry to stay close to that level is pretty unrealistic. Like Flurry is going to have a drop off. He's going to, I mean, he's not going to suddenly be a terrible goalie, but you're probably talking about a guy who's a slightly above average goalie. You're probably talking about, okay, he's the 12th best goalie in hockey or something like that. So when you're a team, like that's what you have to be considering when you give the guy an extension is, okay, what's he going to be for the next two, three, four years, however long that extension is. And I think it's hard to put out there that you actually expect him to be a top five goalie for the next three years. And, and let's not forget this. Let's say they do what you and I say we wouldn't do, which is trade Leonard and, and sign him to a two or three a year extension. You're going back to a regular schedule. Like, I know Leonard got hurt this year, but it was still a condensed schedule. So at 36, as great as he was, at least for part of the year, he was able to, you know, go back and forth with Leonard and trade off games, get his rest. So if you move Leonard, he's obviously, the flurry would obviously be your goalie. It's not going to be the backup, whoever that is, whether it's Logan Thompson or whoever. So now you're saying you're 38, 39, there's no more condensed schedule. You have to play like 60 something years. That, that's a lot of games for a guy that age. Again, well, he's in great the, shape, but that the, doesn't matter. It's the Pacific. They might not need to play him 60 games. We are doing a rotation with Logan Thompson. I, it, I mean, maybe they would. Works. It probably works. Like, legitimately, it <laughs> Did works. Did you see a breakdown of the projected points of the Pacific? Yes, that's what I was trying to pull up. I think because... the Knights were at a projected points of 365 and the Kings were at 10. <laughs> I mean, it's like They're... the difference. And they might it, make the playoffs. Yeah, the difference. So <laughs> well, they is, made a big trade yesterday. <laughs> this is from uh, Jay Fresh Hockey. Projected, and this is he, he, the way he does it. Is he hasn't he's taken all the unrestricted free agents off the roster, so like Alec Martinez doesn't is off count the roster exactly. So obviously teams are going to change their rosters, but as of right now, based on current rosters, projected standings next year, Golden Knights 113 points, <laughs> second place Calgary 91, third place Edmonton 89, fourth place Vancouver 79. Yeah, but they won't have Nate Schmidt, so it's like 59, because he's on the trade block already. I, this division is going to be so bad. I uh, like They could just put Flurry. they could do the Kucherov, put him on long-term IR at the start of the season, and play Logan Thompson the they, entire year. They, have a, they are projected at 111, and easily, easily, without question, they could have a tougher first-round matchup, because don't they get the wild card? Yes. Don't two and three the, play yes. each other? If they get the one, they could they, lose. I mean, they, they get a, they bat, get, a really good wild card. Wild card, Colorado. It's like, wait a minute. We <laughs> they, got 111 points. If they get the one in the Pacific, they get a wild card. They would get the the first or second wild card, which would be the fourth or fifth team well, from the Central or the fourth place team from the Pacific. It doesn't matter. It will be a better team yeah. than the second and third from the Pacific. Yeah. So, yeah. Good, would, not great. So, that that's where the standings are, though. Like, this team... Like, you know how they do the little X in the standings? We can already oh. put the X in the standings for next year. This team, is they're going to make the playoffs. And it's not going to be remotely close. It's not even going to be an issue. Because, again, I'm telling you that the projection right here is 113 to 91 between first and second. Right? You just have to be third. What's he got? The, what's you he got just the, have to be third. What's he got the Kings at? 72? Uh, 75. Hey. Made a trade yesterday. I'm saying 82. Will I be at Dallas Raiders on Thanksgiving and pick up the Dallas Morning News and the, there'll be an X by the Golden Knights? It'll, be. Be, it'll be November yes. 26th. Like, oh, hey, yes. 24th or whatever. They're already in. It should be right now. <laughs> what, <laughs> what if the standings came out and everyone's 0 0 0, but the Knights have the X by their name? Who, do, who does the standings at the Review Journal? 
When you guys uh, they're, publish, they're automated through like AP. I mean, they just as call soon up. as the Stanley put Cup final in, is over, put an X in, put a next season standings <laughs> and put an X in everybody's O O and O, and just leave it there for the entire season. They're gonna make the playoffs. You'd like, sure, Flurry might have to play more games next year, but he doesn't have to. He he literally doesn't have to. Like you can coast next season. You I normally we make jokes about hockey around here. I honestly think they're division winners. If Logan Thompson starts eighty two games. They win this division. Okay, with so does that doesn't that training. make it though? Doesn't that make it m- more sensible to move him now? Because yes. you're building to win the Stanley Cup. If you know you're winning the division, that's like oh, whatever. We're in yes. the division. That that makes it more sensible to move to at least move one of them. Because okay, okay. The the whole point is just like this year. It's the playoffs. The playoffs. Like, are why what would matter. you need two of those dudes to right. win that division? You don't. <laughs> you don't. And all that matters is the playoffs. The regular right. season is is mostly irrelevant, especially for them because they're they're going to make the playoffs. The playoffs is what matters. So you need to be building the best possible playoff roster. Right. Two goalies is not the best possible playoff roster. True. And so either like the whole point of this is trade either one, get move either one and you're going to have the best possible playoff yes. roster. Now moving flurry gives you a better long-term outlook because money wise sure. and cheaper right. and under a long-term deal moving winner. It doesn't, I don't think it's going to make a big difference next year. Flurry and Leonard are both going to both end up being top 10 goalies, but Moving Leonard means your future's a little bit more in doubt because Flurry's older and you don't have him under contract yet. But the division's going to be a cakewalk. They don't need two goalies. Logan Thompson could start all 82 and it'd be fine. I love Alan Walsh. He would be open to signing an extension. He's going to be 37. I would hope he'd be open to signing an extension. What is the guy's not 24 saying, well, we got a lot of options. Like, he's 37 next year. It's either extension or retirement. Yes. Like, what do you mean he'd be open to signing an extension? Don't bury the lead here. All right. Coming up next. Oh my God, the Bucks are actually going to make it to the NBA Finals? Lopez spinning on Gallinari, shoots it, gone with a foul! It is your night, Brooklyn Brook. Middleton driving, seven to shoot, to the corner. Portis, three-pointer, bango! Bobby Portis, 114-98! Holiday crossing, driving into the lane. Lob to Lopez for the slam! 118, 105, 32 for Brook. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Do you want the worst hot take I could come up with? Okay. The Bucks are better without Giannis. Oh, good God. <laughs> well, I mean, they did have 76 dunks. So, so okay. <laughs> What happened in the game yesterday? Brooke Lopez has 33, and I think he only took like two shots outside of the paint in the game. Uh, Bobby Portis had 22, and he was like five of seven in the restricted area. Like, what happened yesterday is the Bucks played a better style of basketball than they do with Giannis because their two playmakers yesterday were Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. And those are two guys that can actually knock down a jump shot. So defenses have to respect them. And when that happens, it's easier to drive to the rim. And when there's help side defense, oh, there's Brooke Lopez for a dunk. There's Bobby Portis for a dunk. Like it was it was a better style of basketball yesterday. Now it was against the Hawks and they don't have Trey Young and the Hawks aren't actually there. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that because they've won two playoff series, but the Hawks aren't actually that good. But they played a better style yesterday, significantly less talented without Giannis, but they played a better style of basketball yesterday. 
Cool stat. Hawks made 41 shots the entire game. The Bucks had 33 in the paint alone. Baskets, I'm sorry. 41 baskets to 33 just in the paint. Not, not even outside. Yeah, layups I mean, and dunks the entire game. Amazing. And, like, that's what Giannis is good at getting. But in the playoffs, teams can actually slow that down and prevent him from getting dunks and layups. Where in the pregame whiteboard board was Brooke Lopez? Where I mean, was they Bobby start, Portis? They, yeah, they probably started with, okay, there's Middleton. That's good. <laughs> Drew Holiday's good. Is there anyone else we should be and, worried about? No. And that's why And that's why it worked for Portis and Lopez, because those guys commanded all the attention. And then, oh, look, they left Brooke Lopez open under the basket, because who the hell thinks Brooke Lopez is going for 30 in a playoff game? I mean, it doesn't help that they kept calling him Robin. I'll be honest. I don't ever know which one is on which team. No, I have no clue. I just... No. and. So, yeah, just, just Lopez, and hopefully the announcers tell me which one it is. I just know during, like, basically contract buyout season, one of the Lopez's is always getting moved. I don't know. I don't know which Lopez is on which team, and I don't know which uh, Mar- Morris is on which team. Marcus they might have run the pick and roll better without Giannis. Well, yeah, because the, they ran the they pick and shoot. roll, like, almost to perfection, right. and Giannis wasn't on the floor. Because, like, it, they don't even, I don't even. Should Giannis come off the bench? Yes. He, he was he was on the bench, wasn't he? Was he? I think he was in his uniform, or was that the brother? It was one of them? Well, his brother actually played in the game. I think Giannis. A couple times they've zeroed on the TV, and I'm like, well, they're not zeroing in on the brother. Uh, apparently, people without the last name, you wouldn't know who he is. So I think Giannis was on the bench should in just, the uniform. They should just turn the offense over to Thanasis. Just say, do what your brother does. Let's go. It'll be the same. That's why we brought you here. He might have been fine. But, they scored in the 120s without Giannis. Yeah, but that and the the pick and roll like that's that's part of the problem with Giannis because if you if you run a ball screen with Giannis, literally both defenders can just drop back to the paint. Like you're like yeah whatever yeah because they think Giannis is silly enough to keep shooting three. Yeah, you're gonna shoot a three off the ball screen. (laughs) Go for it, Giannis. Like we win the defensive possession if you take a three. So you can't really run an offense that's got Giannis ball screens on it. Giannis can get to the rim on his own in some ISO situations. That's what makes him great. But you can kind of collapse on that and attack it. You don't, and because you're already in the paint, if he dumps it off, guess what? I'm still here, Brooke Lopez. I can contest your shot. When it's Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, they might hit a three, and you've got to guard them at the three-point line. So it's a, it's the dumbest hot take I could come up with, but they, they play a better style, a better brand of basketball without Giannis. So he's healthy on Saturday. They're like, yeah, we don't think so. The nasty. You can sit down. You sit down. Yeah. I mean, You'll you play fine. him. And again, it's one game against the Hawks. Like they're going to play a better team in the Suns if they get to the finals. They're going to need Giannis. They're going to need Giannis defensively. He's unbelievable defensively because his wingspan stretches from sideline to sideline. But offensively, they play a better brand of basketball because their best players or the guys controlling the ball can actually shoot. It's absolutely just everyone stepping up, said one of the Lopez brothers. No one can replace Giannis. He's a freaking two-time MVP and so much of what we do. Well, you scored 120-something without him, so I don't know what you do without him. Weird weird question. Should they try to make Giannis the role man? Well, the problem with that, no, they shouldn't. Like okay. I told you, it's a dumb hot take because then you're turning him into Ben Simmons, and then it's, oh, he took two shots in the fourth quarter over this entire series. What are you doing? Like, he's... Giannis is, we talked about it throughout this playoff series. You can throw Giannis in there. You can throw Ben Simmons in there. You can throw Zion in there. Like three of the best in terms of like those guys can finish at the rim. Those guys can get to the rim and finish at the rim. The shooting is not there for him. The shooting doesn't exist for him. And that's always going to be a problem for them in the playoffs. Like the, probably the most important thing LeBron James ever did in his career was become an average three point shooter. 
Like, the guy's not a great three-point shooter, but he shoots it well enough that you, you can't just leave him. No, you have to honor him. Yeah, and so it, if... If LeBron had never developed, because he wasn't a great three-point shooter, it would be he much started. easier to defend. Yeah, right. uh, Spo, that was yeah, he, he would have been much Jesus. easier to defend. But like he, yeah, I mean, he's still going to be great. Still, no, probably yeah. wins a title. But the most important thing he ever did was develop a, a jump shot, a three-point shot. And you can probably say the same thing for Kawhi Leonard, right? Kawhi yeah, Leonard, what he shoot like five in his entire yeah. college career. The dude, did, like, he not a three-point shooter, and he's now. One of the greatest three-point three yeah, shooters exactly. in the league sometimes. So, like, that's one of the most important things. And just, like, it, it doesn't happen for Giannis. I think Zion actually might have shot a decent percentage this year. But, again, it's not to the level of where teams actually have to guard it. So, that that's the key. And it's a stupid hot take, but there it is. I mean, what, what, did, what did Lopez have? Oh, damn. I was going to say, Lopez might have outscored Giannis in every game in this series. But Giannis had 34 in game one. So... He had some good quotes. Giannis or one, no, no. one of the Lopez One quotes. of the Lopez brothers had uh, good quotes. Uh, the numbers are absolutely silly, though. 66 to 36 in the paint. 23 of 27 at the rim. Yeah, I mean, it's just staggering how, how much they uh, beat him up inside. Uh, I do have a question on fans. When did this become an every game thing where the home team's fans, when their team is winning, they will chant like bucks in six? Or if the Hawks win game tomorrow, they will chant Hawks in seven. Or as soon as game one of the NBA finals, if the Suns win, the fans will be chanting Suns in four. Yeah. Like when did that become I don't a know. The, only, the biggest chant I've ever heard of NBA games is uh, no matter who's at the line, it could be like Dave Guy Guy MVP. <laughs> like there's a thousand MVPs in the NBA because no matter who's at the line, MVP is like, nah, he's really not. But that's the only chant I remember. And refs, you suck. That's more hockey. But I've kind of heard that at basketball. I don't know when that started because I had not heard that till now. So every playoff maybe game, this year. it happens now. Maybe every this year. time, well, every every home, every time every the home, home team is time, winning, yeah, home time, yeah, they start chanting the the shortest amount of games their team can win the series in. Which yeah. last night was Bucks and Six. So you're telling me when Tampa Bay wins tonight on Monday night, Montreal fans will be Habs in seven. Yes, Habs they in will seven. if they can win Game Four. If they're winning Game Four late, the seven people in attendance will be yes. chanting Habs in seven. seven. That's what they'll be chanting because I I don't know where that came from. I don't remember that I don't happening. Remember. Until I just remember this MVP, year. And, and everyone gets that. <laughs> Pat Connaughton, MVP. It's great when a team has an MVP or an MVP candidate, and they do it for a different guy at the line. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like no. You have like, Durant on your team. Like Giannis has won two MVPs. And uh, one of the Lopez brothers yeah. is at the line. On the last night, <laughs> probably deserved it. Probably should have been champion. After that dunk. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we will talk to Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Austin Gale. Austin, how are you this morning? Hey, Austin. Doing great, man. How about yourself? Good. So before we get to some NFL, have you seen any uh, college athletes signing a name image likeness deal that you like the best? Man, that's tough. I, I, I think I, have, I think Derek King is the guy who's catching okay. the most. I think I, I respect he's had four deals, I think, in 20 hours, $20,000 from, I think, hunking college hunks. Hauling junk, yeah. junk yeah. or something, yeah, whatever yeah. the hell it is. I mean, it's exciting to see you know college athletes, you know, like getting money while they're you know they still have paid interest. I think it's awesome to see. I need a pro football focus rating on the LSU gymnast who's going to make like a million dollars because she has three million uh, three million followers. I mean, that's ninety nine point nine. I have no, I have no other. <laughs> you I don't have even no have to watch her. That. That's just fantastic. That's just honestly fantastic. I saw 
the twin the twin yep. basketball players for Fresno mm-hmm. State yep. are cashing in with T-Mobile. Like this is just incredible to see adults. Let's remind everyone: adults making money they rightfully deserve. I think it's also going to add to the parity of the NCAA in college basketball and in the NFL. You know who wins here? Indiana, Rutgers. Arkansas, these teams that are in these Power Five conferences but are bottom feeders in the recruiting rankings because they can't compete with Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. But now, go be a starter for Purdue for three years, make multiple tens of thousands of dollars with the NIL deals before you go sit on the bench at Michigan for three years. This is going to change the game. I honestly think it's going to change the game. I look forward to the future. Like, do you remember like sitting in like middle school, like history class, and they're teaching you about something, and you're just like, that sounds stupid. Why would anybody do that? Like, like how we won the Revolutionary War because the way the British people fought, we were just like, yeah, we're not waiting our turn or whatever. Like this, we're gonna look back on this and be like, so they couldn't just sign autographs and charge twenty five dollars to sign your T shirt. Like we're gonna look back and think it's the dumbest thing we've been doing until twenty twenty one. It's absolutely absurd. I think there's a lot of work to be done for the NCAA to reinstate Reggie Bush's wars. You know, you have the USC team. Like, there's a lot to be done in terms of the what they the wrong. They need to right some wrongs in the NCAA. I think there's a lot to be done right now. Boy, if the NCAA starts righting wrongs, we're going to be around for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you hear that? Uh, I'm sure you heard. Um, Derek Carr wants Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams wants Derek Carr. When you look at that, Devontae Adams uh, is not a UFA for a while, but what jumps out to you about those two, the connection they can make, and do you think this is even plausible? I, I don't know how plausible it is. I, I do think that it would be insane for Green Bay, even if, say, Aaron Rodgers retires or he's traded to Denver, to then double down on this rebuilding effort and move on from who would be their best player by a long shot and also their most like polarizing star, the guy that would be the face of Green Bay to move on from him, especially after the contract he's gotten, would be absolutely absurd to me. I don't think you do that. And if Devontae Adams forces his way out, I mean, talk about a franchise that went from the top to the bottom in a blink of an eye. It would be absolutely absurd to see that. I think for Derek Carr, obviously, it would be a connection you'd like to see. Devontae Adams, I would confidently say, is the best receiver in the NFL right now. I think Tyreek Hill is in the conversation, but still, I think, you know, Play for play, route for route, I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL. To say that, man, what, what would the fit be with Las Vegas? I mean, any team in the NFL wants the best receiver in the NFL. The Packers have had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for, like, basically three decades here. And they've been one of the better teams in the NFL for over those three decades. But it's, it's Green Bay, Wisconsin. If Aaron Rodgers never plays for them again, and if somebody like Devontae Adams says, I don't want to play here anymore if Aaron Rodgers is here, like, could the Packers fall to where they're, like, become maybe not irrelevant, but, like, they're not a power in the NFL because it's Green Bay and who the hell wants to play in Green Bay? Absolutely. I mean, this is, they have been spoiled, absolutely spoiled to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to, in my opinion, future Hall of Fame quarterback. Brett Favre always should be on his way. And I do think that with Green Bay, it's not about, like, you know, free agents don't want to come to Green Bay. It's that you're going to run into bad luck. It's very hard in this league. You don't have to tell probably more than half the league. It's very hard to find the quarterback. It's very difficult to pick the guy. You can ask the Las Vegas Raiders. You can ask the Cleveland Browns. It takes a very long time normally to find the next guy under center. I think Green Bay, unless they strike gold again three times, strike, strike lightning three times, and get another future franchise quarterback right after Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love, I think that would be you know absolutely insane. I do think that Green Bay could be in there on their way to a drought in terms of wins. No, it's, it's, you know, Jordan Love's going to be that guy, right? We're about to have 14 years of Jordan Love being a pro bowler and all pro player for the Packers. That would be so unfair to the league, <laughs> unfair to every other fan base. You know, we have teams like literally Detroit's been waiting for so long to have a guy that can take them to the Super Bowl. If Jordan Love comes and does that, that would just be insane. Hey, you didn't see him against UNLV. 
We did. This guy's a star in the making. <laughs> Kidding me? Um, I wanted to ask you this because there was a story I read this week, and I want to get your thoughts on what you expect for him. And the idea of the story was, what can you expect from Trevor Lawrence? And they threw out there, would he be the fifth rookie to throw for 4,000? Would he get past Justin Herbert's 31 touchdowns? Knowing the team of the Jaguars, you do, like, what are you expecting from him? Is this like a record-breaking year, or do you think it's going to be, like, if you're betting the over and unders, you're going to think most under on the numbers? I do think I'm going to lean under. I think they're going to be throwing the ball at a high rate, and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be you know, starting all 17 games. And I think for those counting stats as well, we have to remind ourselves there's 17 regular season games now, and I think going over 4,000 yards got a game easier in 2021. I think Trevor Lawrence, the biggest reason we feel good about the overs there is that they're going to throw the ball a lot. We expect a high throwing rate there, and we also think that they're going to be in position where they're not necessarily blowing teams out a ton. I don't think that defense is there yet. It's still a very young defense. So I do think that Trevor Lawrence throws enough. The volume is enough for him to go over you know, 4,000, 4,100 yards. And then you know, the TD total will be interesting. I don't know how many red zone opportunities they will have, but I do think the passing guard still will go over. Well, Tebow's getting all the red zone opportunities. We already know that. So you can't, you can't go on Trevor Lawrence touchdown. So Urban Meyer and the Jaguars got fined for OTA violations. I'm curious, what do you think the quickest Urban Meyer in Jacksonville can fail is? Man, I think one year, right? I mean, this, it would be, it's interesting because you know, I was talking to my podcast co-host, Mike Brenner, and he said, you know, one of the best hirings as a head coach this past offseason was Urban Meyer. And I was like, Absolutely not. I mean, this guy has to learn so much. There's so much newness in Jacksonville. New quarterback, new coach, you know, an entirely new new defense. They added a ton of players in free agency. I think there's almost too much newness to really gel immediately. I think where you start to see Urban Meyer fail early is things like this, boneheaded fines, boneheaded things like that. The Tebow signing, the he signed that Iowa coach that had some bad off-field stuff. Like, those are the decisions that you get you on your way out way sooner than maybe you expect. And this isn't college football. You know, in college football, you have a couple winning seasons, and they're ready to put a statue up, and you'll be there for 30 years like Kyle Whittingham at Utah. But with, <laughs> with NFL, you got one or two years to figure it out, sometimes just one. You have to have results very early. And if you do not meet expectations, and with Trevor Lawrence and all the hype around Jacksonville, there are high expectations in a winnable AFC South. If they come out and fall flat in year one and don't start out of the gate year two, you can see Urban Meyer really falling quickly. I laugh. Well, I don't laugh, but uh, Dallas got fined in the OTAs, and the reason be given because they were too physical. And I'm like, wait, it's football, and I want to know who's turning them in. Like, who's calling yeah, and saying, "Well, you know, the 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 wide receiver in corner, they they made contact today." It, it can, it's interesting though because I don't. It's hard to speculate because like, you could see medical trainers, you could see certain players, you know, hyping. You know, player safety does matter. And I think if he is doing, I know I saw a joke tweet saying he was doing, you know, Oklahoma drills, which I highly doubt. But I, I don't know what level of physicality he's doing in OTAs. But there's just there's just no reason. There's just no reason to put any you know anybody under physical harm, especially in like you know these these OTAs. All right, so Derek Carr's got two years left on his deal. He's it, there'd be a minimal cap hit if they cut him right now, but basically they don't have much uh, a cap hit if they were to get rid of him. Is it too simplistic to say Derek Carr and the Raiders make the playoffs? Carr gets an extension. Derek Carr and the Raiders miss the playoffs, and the Raiders finally move on from him. It, it better be that simple. It better be that simple because <laughs> if they make the playoffs, he should get an extension. They continue to ride this thing out and go like nine and eight, nine and seven, and ten and seven, or whatever. The, how many games there are? But if they don't make the playoffs, can we cut the cord? Can we cut the cord for a quarterback that has one season, one season of borderline MVP caliber play? Can we cut the cord? I don't know. And if you want to, you know, battle it out. Here, this is the best. The best analogy I make is Kirk Cousins. If you want to try and win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, it's going to take every ounce of every other player on that team, a perfect bill of health, 
fantastic coaching on the sidelines to actually get it done. Everything has to go right when your quarterback isn't top six, top eight in the NFL. I think Derek Carr is a top 10, top 12 quarterback at his best. Sometimes he plays under that, but at his best, a top 10, top 12 quarterback. But it is so difficult to win in a league with a fringe top 10, top 12 quarterback because you need a perfect defense, a clean bill of health, fantastic coaching on the sidelines, your quarterback to stay healthy, your receiving core to develop. There's, and I just don't see that much going right for this Raiders team. Henry Ruggs needs a year two jump. The defense is, has gotten worse somehow over the past five years. I don't even know how that <laughs> happened, but it has. That is the problem I have with this Raiders team. It's not Derek Carr. Everyone you know, you know, stands people as Derek Carr haters. Derek Carr, I would confidently say, the top 12, top 10 quarterback when he's on. And he was on this past year, and he was on in 2016. But he's not a top six quarterback. He's not a top five quarterback like Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are all capable of. And that's who you're going against. You want to play the Kirk Cousins game, you can be a fringe playoff team every single year, never get the draft picks to rebuild, and constantly be this mediocre franchise. And I think that's where the Raiders have been since John Gruden has taken over. Well, you could have stopped a perfect defense. That's not happening. Um, And I agree agree with you because if they don't make it, isn't the, like you said, the main question is, all right, you move on from, but what do you have next? Like, I'm not changed for the uh, change guy. It's always like, well, who are you going to replace him with? But... If he doesn't make the playoffs, is Mariota, in your opinion, still good enough to maybe be a bridge before they bring in someone new? So my take on bridge quarterbacks is very aggressive. Bridge quarterbacks are the dumbest thing in the NFL. There's a 0% reason to ever have a bridge quarterback. You need to be developing a quarterback on a rookie contract or trying to win with one on a second contract. The bridge quarterback, all that does is get you a worse draft pick. Go start the random quarterback off the street, lose every single game, and get Spencer Rattler or whoever the next quarterback in 2023, DJ e. Wongalele of Clemson. Go get the best guy. Bridge quarterback, who cares? A, you know, no one cares about a bridge quarterback. Go, the clearest, the cleanest path to winning a Super Bowl is going and get the best quarterback. And how you do that is not with a bridge quarterback, but it's with a terrible one. It's exactly what the Colts did after Peyton Manning. They didn't go get a bridge quarterback. They started Curtis Painter for half that season. They didn't know who that is. That's how you go get Andrew Luck. That's how you reset your franchise. The Raiders would be so much better at just starting whoever they had, not a bridge quarterback, a quarterback that's going to win them one or two games, to go get D.J. Wongalele, whoever it may be. And people are like, how you get, what, you want to get a better quarterback than Derek Carr? It's not about just getting a better quarterback prospect than Derek Carr. It's also you go get a quarterback that even can be top 10, top 12, as good as Derek Carr on a rookie contract. It gives you so much more money to spend in frenzy and build up other areas. That's the winning formula. Go get a top 10 quarterback on a rookie contract or a guy that could develop into that top six player. So you're saying start Nathan Peterman for a year. Exactly. Nathan <laughs> Peterman is the perfect quote unquote bridge quarterback because he's going to bridge you right into the number one overall. He's going to bridge you right into Rattler. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's why John Gruden keeps giving him a million dollars every year. They keep signing. Once he rebuilds, he's going with Peterman to get that number one pick. Well, he is Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Austin, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Austin. Absolutely, thank you. Now we know why Peterman continues to get signed. Eventually, they'll have to move on from Carr, and Mario will be like, my job. No, it's not. It's Peterman. We're going with Nate. We're going 0-0 and 17? <laughs> yes. Getting that number one Getting whoever the number one quarterback uh, in the board is. You, listen, I would be so pumped if they went with that strategy. Oh, and they went 0-17. Like, just, I, to me, that's the, like, if this year they don't make the playoffs, right. they, you know, win seven or eight games and miss and the playoffs. they move on. And they say, okay, we're moving on from Carr. That, to me, is like the smartest strategy. Obviously, if you can land Aaron Rodgers or somebody, that's better. Yeah. But, like, you can't land a star quarterback. You're moving on from Derek Carr. I would be, I would be out here telling them, <laughs> yes, P- 
Peterman, start him every game, draft number one the next year. <laughs> Mariota waited his turn. We don't think so. Well, you what? don't get a turn. <laughs> the guy who never takes uh, reps in practice is the quarterback now? <laughs> He's on the outside practice field exactly, everybody's exactly. inside. He, he was over uh, by the Amazon building across the street. You're bringing him to be the starter? I genuinely want, at some point, there was a Christian Hackenberg story out of Jets camp where a reporter went, Hackenberg's looking pretty good. He's completed two passes to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was on seven and seven with no pads. <laughs> so I'm hoping that Ed is just like, yeah, it was a really Yo, good try. I could, give, really, I could give Nathan or Peterman reports. Good. He's not fast. He's not big. He's just there. <laughs> But he hit Adam Hill with exactly, a deep ball. Exactly. <laughs> Had Adam been looking for it? <laughs> no. Adam's shoulder is now bruised. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we'll get back into the name, image, and likeness in college football. And if Reggie Bush deserves his Heisman Trophy back. Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. As of now, we're kind of in the middle of uh, letting the commissioner's office, Major League Baseball, handle this. Uh, It's in their hands. And right now, our kind of direction was to just move forward and not do anything as far as the player and Trevor. And so our plan is he is going to start on Sunday. It's out of our hands. Um, Regardless of what direction the organization want to do, it's, uh, it's something that this is what has to happen. And so it's out of everyone's hands. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. That was Dave Roberts talking about Trevor Bauer. We'll get more into that in the front page. And by the way, before we get into name, image, and likeness, I am fascinated by the Tour de France. The guy who won the stage this morning is doing his like post-race interview, and he's on like a stationary bike a doing a cool-down. Like he's still he's he just rode his bike for like five hours and he's riding another bike. I think I've actually done a Peloton workout with him as the instructor. <laughs> I think I've chosen him. You get at Peloton, you can choose like of all these like who do you want to ride with today? Jim, country music, Johnny Pop. This guy might like teach Peloton now rides. Look at this guy. And by the way, he just he just biked like nine thousand miles. He's biking again. There's not a bead of sweat on this guy. No, it's like he's, it's like he didn't Good. even do anything today. It's an easy day for him. Easy <laughs> day. Don't know his name. Easy day for him. I'm just fascinated. Like it's on the TV in here every now and then. I look up and a guy's like walking out of the trees with his bike. I'm like, what the hell happened to that guy? <laughs> the best was ten minutes ago. I watched and they're going past these fans on the side of the road like at seven thousand miles an hour. And this old guy, they go past him. And he looks and he turns this way and like waves at him. Like, buddy, they didn't see you. They were past you like within two seconds. They didn't see you waving. There's some. There's some guy on like the French countryside that's like. Ah, crap. I just need to go get to my cows. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. Because they, they bike through the middle of France. Yeah. Like, I, we were talking earlier, like, where do these people stay after the after each stage? Because they're in, like, the middle of France. I don't know if all these cities are big yeah. enough. They got hotels for all these people? No. I, t- I, I told Tyler, a buddy of mine went because he was a biker, like, two or three times, and I never asked him that because he went to the mountain stage. I wanted to say, Steve, is there shuttles in and out? Like, where? how do you even get to where these guys are going by you? It's fascinating. It can't I, be cars. I can't imagine. I, mean, <laughs> I can't imagine showing up to watch them. No, because they just go past. Yeah, and it's, and, it's like the, what all right. Do do? So what do we do now? Yeah. Right, like at least in NASCAR, they go past you two hundred and fifty yes. times. Yes. In this, they go past you once, and you can't even see them anymore. And yeah, it's a fascinating sport. Um, on name, image, and likeness, uh, Reggie Bush. 
he really wants his Heisman back. So Reggie Bush had his Heisman taken away because the NCAA found out that he had taken money. I believe it was like $300,000 from a marketing company while he was at USC. So they stripped him of his Heisman. And now Reggie Bush is like, well, it's legal for everybody. You guys aren't in trouble for doing it now. So give me back my Heisman. I think he's got a pretty good argument. Give him back his Heisman. I think we should give everybody back their Heismans. How many people have been stripped of their Heisman? Only two I can think of are OJ and uh, Reggie Bush. (laughs) I don't know. I saw OJ in a picture from Costco. He might have had it in the cart with him. Uh, Here's the thing. We should have strong opinions on the show. I get that. I don't care if he gets it back or not. Give it back to him. I do think that. It's not as easy as that in the sense that just because okay I'll I'll t- I'll go with this argument of now it's now you can do this when I couldn't but when you did it you couldn't like you broke the rule and by the way I do agree also at a lot of levels it was dumb because people do far worse I get all that like I get they take more money I mean to to this day we know guys get bought out to this day we know especially in college basketball there are bidding wars for top guys it still goes on the AAU guys and, and, and their handlers still get money for a kid to go to a certain place so I'll just leave I don't care if he gets it back or not I'm not gonna like stand on a pulpit and like pound the chest say he should have it back I don't really care but don't give us the reason that well now it's okay it's like well you still broke rules. The rule, the rule might have been dumb because everyone's doing it, but I don't care if he gets it back. If you want to give it back to him, give it back to him. The reason it's dumb, and it probably should have never been taken away in the first place, is his cheating, if you want to call it cheating, it was not in any way helping him to be a better football player. No. Like, he wasn't no. taking, like, performance-enhancing no. drugs that made him run no. faster. He just got some money from a marketing company because of how good he was Because he's one of the greatest running so backs in college ever. It's not like you can even make the argument he didn't earn the Heisman because he was awesome at football, and what he did didn't help him get better at the sport. What he did was just, yeah, I'm going to make some money when I'm not supposed to make some money. Well, in college, that's usually what happens, right? Fab Five? Right, exactly. They make him better basketball players, but... But the luxurious condo they lived in with all the sports cars I was like, yeah. The best, the best ever was Mitch Album's book in the Fab Five when he said, I kind of knew something happened when they mistakenly invited me over to the crib. And I walked in, I'm like, this doesn't look like the regular college kid. <laughs> it's like, why are you living in the brownstone down on the rich people side of the place as the Fab Five? I mean, you know, he goes, I thought something might be up. Same with Reggie Bush. Didn't Reggie Bush's, uh, didn't the parents get a house? Yep. Yeah, he got in, in in San Diego. He, they got the house. Again, I, give him the give him the trophy back. What? The other thing is, you give him the trophy back. What, what does that mean? Just give him the trophy back. Is, is it really affecting anybody? Is the Fab Five the best thing to ever happen to San Diego State basketball? Yes, it's not even close. It's not even close. <laughs> Steve Fisher told me his first two or three recruits. And one was Eric Sanders back in the day. Eric Sanders was a really good recruit. He goes, I knew I had him. When I walked in his when I walked in his room on on the home visit and there was nothing but Fab Five on the wall, he goes, I, if I, he goes, if I can't get this guy, I'm really in trouble. I got a question. I got a question. This new job, if I can't get the kid with the Fab Five poster on the wall, oh, that's great. Another team's like massive NCA violations. Best thing for San Diego State. Best thing that could have ever happened to that program. Give Reggie Bush back his Heisman. He's superstar. OJ two. <laughs>